Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Justin joining us uh, via home from the phone after a busy day at a golf outing. So we record on Thursday, August 3rd and plenty to dive into as IndyCar is set to go to Nashville this weekend. Plus, uh, just announced as we're recording Thursday evening, IndyCar going to Nashville with a new layout as the season finale in 2024. So first off, Justin, uh, how are the links? I know you're not a golfer, so uh, th- did you have a good time, though, with the golf outing? Yeah, you know, it was for my company, and it was a fundraiser for our football and basketball programs. And hole number two, which is what I held down, along with uh, my, my, my football coaches and trainers, uh, that was the place to be. Today we had a football throw to where however far you threw it is where you teed off from, if you paid 20 bucks, of course. And there was plenty of uh, beer, plenty of cigars, and we had a lot of fun. So I am at home recouping from an adventure de- event- adventurous day outside and uh, ready to go. Talk some IndyCar. Yeah, so obviously we're going to preview the Music City GP 2023 bit later on this episode, get to some silly season notes. Uh, but the clear and obvious focus is what is happening in 2024. So IndyCar confirming that Nashville and the Music City GP will be the season finale in 2024. Uh, that's key detail number one, September 13th through 15th. Now, the other thing as far as what happens with WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, um, it will still be on the schedule next year. Miles made that clear. Now, as far as where it will be out on the schedule, I, I think we've read some different rumors as far as, you know, it could be earlier in the schedule, but uh, Nathan Brown of the Indy Star has a really good article kind of with a lot of the, the key questions at play with this event moving and what it means. And... Um, Miles did say that, yes, Laguna Seca will be back on the schedule, but the March date that we've discussed and a lot of people have discussed in IndyCar media as far as where it would fit on the schedule between St. Pete and Texas, on the table but not guaranteed, according to Mark Miles. And and part of that is the average high temperature, barely above 60 degrees uh, for that area of the country. So, yeah, you know. You know, in the spring when there's actually like green grass, when, if they do an early season test out there, um, that's because it's not really, really hot and dry. So that's something you have to keep in mind. And maybe it could still be, you know, the penultimate race on the schedule. It's a great point to consider moving it that early and the difficulties in doing so due to the weather. So it's an interesting point. It's not like, oh, it's cut and dry. Let's move it to March, and it fills the gap. But there sounds like there could be bigger issues uh, regarding that. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah, so that's the first question as far as Laguna Sega. Now, with the 2024 Music City GP and, and what it means, obviously, yes, is it the season finale? Um, it's a three-year contract, so that's the positive. They're expecting now crowd estimates are what they are, right? It, it's hard to really take the estimates too seriously coming from promoters, but they're expecting more than 250,000 fans next September. Uh, they're estimated 130,000 and 117,000 uh, in years one and two respectively. So uh, not sure where they're going to get that number, but again, though they have pulled off what I thought was the impossible. And that is IndyCars racing on Broadway in downtown Nashville. 
That's uh, that's the biggest thing because we thought maybe a pipe dream that that was, but then we we started hearing rumors. You were were adamant that if you're going to change the course and and make it a bigger event like they were teasing, Broadway had to be a part of it. And sure thing that that's what we have. You look at the layout; it's it's not too exciting. We're still going over the uh, the Korean Memorial Bridge, and then just a. Uh, uh, you know, kind of basically a square, but rectangle that we're doing. But the fact that it's going through the 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 thick of downtown, the thick of Broadway, just adds a tremendous amount of cachet to the event, and definitely sounds like Nashville is completely excited and the city completely backing this event. Well, and, and the biggest thing for this event from the very beginning has just been the simple fact that it's not used public money, right? So that's been a key part of it. Now the, the current mayor, John Cooper seems to be on board with these changes. It's always important to have that. I believe they have an election coming up this year, or next year. So you know how those things come into play, but because it's not using public money outside of them, you know, just paying for police and, and fire and EMS, that sort of thing. Um, that's a real positive. And you look at the actual circuit, 2.17 miles, just seven turns. But as you mentioned, they'll go, over the bridge, um, and then as far as what's to come, I, I'm very curious with this new pit lane. So if you look at a picture of the circuit, seven turns, you start on 4th Avenue, is the start-finish line, then turn one onto the, the road that leads to the bridge, you go across the bridge, then go kind of similar to where they were as far as one of the key passing zones currently, you know, kind of near those... I think those like those gas stations, right? Kind of not far from the, yeah. the parking lot. So, and then the, there's a hotel on that corner. So it goes into this hairpin type turn, but at the end of that is pit lane and it's essentially double sided. So you have half the pit lane right when you enter, then you'll go around a little, another mini hairpin and then the other half, and then you'll have to exit out and then you'll exit out and get up to speed real quick. Cause you're going up and across the bridge back around uh, into turn four, then turn five, which should be a big passing zone. First Avenue, a left turn on Broadway, um, then another turn onto Fourth Avenue to the start finish line. It, crazy that this has just one right turn uh, across the entire circuit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it's it's going to create some unique uh, a unique opportunity and you know, some unique racing, and people kind of look at it and. And I'm sure we'll get some pushback on on going over the bridge and coming back over because that's usually coming back is one of the issue places, particularly with uh, after you come off the bridge, struggling to keep control of the car. We've seen that right over the last couple of years. So that being part of it, I think is a big thing. Um, I, I, people, some people saying. Yeah, you don't really want uh, you know a crash fest or an unpredictable race, street race to decide the championship. I'm all for it. I I would take this over the boredom that is Laguna Seca. I know they resurfaced, but let's talk about previous races and the boredom that, that that's there. I will take this race over Laguna Seca as a season finale every day of the week. Oh, as would I. And, and Nathan Brown of the Indy Star also had an interesting article on that the other day. As far as there were some mixed feelings from drivers one of them being Alex Blow, and I, I immediately thought reading it, I'm like, Alex Blow, the same guy who dominated Laguna Seca last year, ran away with it by, like, what, 30 seconds? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course he he's going to be disappointed. 
Yeah, right. So, well, it's not so good to say it's going to be at the end of the year, but it's um, it, Laguna Seca was okay. But when we talk about the season finale race, your your lasting impression of the season, and a place where you can take uh, your corporate sponsors, your your supporters, and that's really what Laguna Seca was. And everybody said, oh, it's, you know, it's great to take them to the West Coast and schmooze them and all that stuff. This is huge to take him to Nashville and the party atmosphere and the event and Broadway. That's a proper season finale. And then you just stay there for the awards and have uh, a great night in Nashville to crown your champion and all that stuff. So you have to look at it from a big picture and a cachet point of view. And we've talked about it, about IndyCar needing to have splash events, meaningful events that transcend racing, that tune in that casual people tune in or attend, and this is one of them. And, and keeping this on the calendar is important, and now you add to the race by going down Broadway. It's even more uh, important, and it becomes the season finale, which I think is the topper. Yeah, you talked about you know Laguna Seca outside of schmoozing corporate partners. It checked that box, but that was about it. You're far away from your fan base. Uh, you don't have an event that has any buzz. I mean, it, it's great that it returned on the schedule a couple years ago. That's been nice. I just don't think it... It There was really no benefit compared to when they held it at Sonoma for so many years, right? It was just the same event. It attracted slightly different location, same region of the country. Instead, you're moving it to Nashville, uh, a buzzing metropolitan area that's closer to your fan base in the Midwest. Yes, Nashville's in the South, but it's very close to the Midwest and the fan base and Indy. Make it accessible for the, the bulk of your fans, you incorporate lower Broadway, which was key if you're going to make this work. And as you mentioned, the victory lap celebration will be held in downtown Nashville at the Skimmerhorn uh, Symphony Center on the following Monday, September 16th of 2024. So you're checking all the boxes. Now I get that some people may want an oval. I understand. I mean, Fontana was great as a season finale, but when you ran it so late, at night on a Saturday night as a night race, uh, you're not going to get a good TV rating. With this, at least, you know it can't be a night race because Big Ten Saturday night on NBC and then Sunday night football uh, on the Sunday night. So it, it will be a daytime race. Will it be mid-afternoon? Probably. Um, you just hope it could be more of a lead-in into football night in America, which is the, the, the pregame show for Sunday night football compared to being you know what at noon green flag time. And I think the biggest thing when you look at it and talk about from a schmoozing standpoint is let's, let's be real. Like Laguna Seca is just a snooze of an event. It's not full. There's hardly anybody there. Let's be real. There's just no event atmosphere at Laguna Seca. And if you're trying to impress people, impress sponsors and potential sponsors that you want to join the series the next year, what hits bigger, Laguna Seca or Nashville? And it's Nashville – every day of the week. And I think it's perfectly fine to add the unpredictable element of a, of a season finale to gain something as big as that. If you want more people to invest in your sport and you're bringing them out and try to showcase your sport, what's better than taking them to Nashville, Tennessee for a street race with potentially a hundred thousand plus people there. And you, you mentioned as far as schmoozing corporate sponsors. Well, that stretch of Broadway is obviously the, the most popular part of the city for tourists uh, tons of activity. Locals obviously want to try to avoid that area, but they won't if they want to go to this event. And you have this stretch of honky tonks 
owned by country music artists like Jason Aldean, Dirk Bentley, Luke Bryan, Garth Brooks, Eric Church, Alan Jackson, Marina Lambert, John Rich, Blake Shelton, all along kind of the, this track area. So you could have rooftop, you know, VIP areas, corporate VIP areas to, to schmooze sponsors, areas for fans. Like there's so many opportunities. Whereas before, yes, they had the suites in Nissan Stadium where the Titans currently play, but is limited to just that. With this, you you have some trackside areas, plus you have uh, the honky tonks on Broadway that, that factor in as far as some VIP areas. Yeah, it's all huge. I mean, you could you could have, man, what would you say, six or seven Laguna Seca events to equal just one Nashville in terms of the attendance projection. I mean, it's it's no comparison in terms of how many people are going to be at each race. And Nashville promoters have already said that they, you know, have added several thousand seats for this year. So, I mean, that's a good sign. Obviously, there'll be a lot of demand for 2024 just because the the track moving and the location of it. But as far as how do they get there again, Nathan Brown, just a phenomenal article, indystar.com. If you haven't checked it out, as far as uh, it's IndyCar answering questions about the new 2024 Nashville season finale. Um, but talks about how the original idea for this was not necessarily the, the season finale, um, but it was, you know, slimming down the course that could revert back to something uh, near what it was in the beginning, once the the Titans' new stadium is complete, mid twenty twenty seven. Then it changed. Then they, they said, "Well, what if we incorporate, you know, Broadway? And then what if we make this the finale?" And you know, the Penske execs kind of not necessarily laughed it off, but didn't really kind of consider it. It wasn't really a a, a key talking point. But then uh, Mark Miles saying that they're on their way home, they realized. Uh, this is the right kind of city for a very vibrant event with national and some ways international impact for the series. It puts one of our two biggest events in the biggest possible light. Uh, that's a quote from Miles in the story. So just kind of sh- goes to show how the promoters had a plan. You have the city on board, which again, private investment, <laughs> not too hard to get them on board and, and not too hard to you know go to taxpayers about it. And then now you have this transformational event that look, we were promised this. I must say, I am I am blown away that they came through with what we have and, and what we have to look forward to in 2024. We thought that going down Broadway was an impossibility in terms of the impact of what it would affect the, the tourism in Nashville, right? And, and overall downtown street flow and all that stuff. We thought maybe that, that, that initially when this event started, that that was a, a non-starter. Yet here we are. And the promoters were on board. The city was on board, and it took some convincing for the for the for the series to be on board, thinking it was possible. Yet everybody's been able to come up to come up with uh, with a great plan, and it helps make an already vibrant event even bigger. And we know as we look across Formula One, but especially NASCAR, with with trying things like at Chicago and, and the clash and all that stuff at the Coliseum. And they're talking about a Canada race and an international race and stuff like that is IndyCar needed to make some splashes with its events, either uh, existing events or new events. And they definitely have done that with this plan for Nashville 2023 and beyond. Now, as far as the schedule, 
Uh, Miles telling Nathan Brown when the 2024 schedule could be released, uh, targeted for near the September 10th season foul. Uh, in recent years, I think it's dropped on that day, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, look for it around then. Um, that's the season finale at Laguna Seca. The, the other question mark we have, right? Milwaukee Mile back in 2024. Everything points to that. And then the kind of toss up as far as whether the non points paying event in Argentina will be tacked on to the end of the 2024, you know, regular season schedule. I expect that to happen. We haven't heard anything definitive that it isn't going to happen. And there's a lot of smoke that it will. I feel like that will be tacked on with a sizable monetary reward for the winner. And we'll see that. And hopefully it's just a one and done in the respect that it being a non-points race. I would like it. Of course, we've both been vocal about wanting that as part of the championship. Yes, absolutely. And once again, the the track kind of looks like uh, either the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper. (laughs) So yeah, or or even like a a, a pipe, right? Like a pipe to smoke. Like it almost looks like that, too. (laughs) Yeah, it does. So that all good things like you, you still keep the bridge. You still have the the lower Broadway aspect that, that has now been added on. You throw in the season finale aspect, a, a pit lane that looks very entertaining, kind of reminds me of Detroit. And, and look, we had our doubts on Detroit as far as the layout and the drivers did. And it was a mess in practice and even qualifying. But for the race, it raced well. So I, I think. As far as looking at the course, are there passing opportunities? Yes. Does it look like it could be a chaotic again? Also, yes. But I think uh, just the fact that they got to this point, you hope it works. We've been very adamant as far as Nashville in the previous years that it's a unique kind of one-off event, if you will, for the IndyCar schedule. And I get that a lot of people don't like it and refer to it as Crashville. I think having kind of a chaos race like this is not a bad thing for the schedule. And for the most part, the driver reaction on social media has been positive. And I'm fine with it being an unpredictable event. I'm sorry. I'd rather have an unpredictable event in a, with a huge crowd presence and excitement around it than a basically Sunday drive in front of nobody in Laguna Seca. Well, and, and look, for the people say, you know, they, they don't like the unpredictability, well, then those are often the same people saying, well, we want an oval. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think there would be a certain part of, of IndyCar that would like to have an oval, but it takes an oval to want a race in September for you to have an oval as the season finale. And all indications are, there are no ovals that want races in September. Uh, meanwhile, for Nashville this year, unfortunately, due to the weather, the pit stop challenge on Lower Broadway uh, was canceled. That was set to take place tonight, Thursday night, uh, August 3rd. Obviously, we'll get into race details on that. But any other final takeaways for you on this announcement? Just excited about it. We, we've mentioned how IndyCar needs to at least try to keep pace with NASCAR or at least show that it's attempting to keep tra- keep pace with NASCAR in terms of unique marquee events on its schedule. And it already had Nashville on there, but adding this dynamic raises it to another level, and it's great to see. I'll, I'll say this. IndyCar has uh, 
a current event reinvigorated with Nashville as a season finale, the possibility to add a classic event in the Milwaukee Mile, and the opportunity to add another international event with a rabid fan base of Argentinians uh, as as another race on the schedule, even if it is an exhibition. I mean, you, you check three different boxes that you feel like has been missing for quite some time. You, you add another oval, and it's in the Midwest, so that's even, even better as far as the, the fan base. You reinvigorate a Nashville event that almost kind of felt like after last year, like, oh, is this it? Like, if they can't figure out, you know, a new track, a new layout uh, because of the Titan Stadium project, and now it, it feels very secure as far as its future, and then you throw in Argentina. So it, it just seems like they're checking some boxes that haven't been checked in quite some time. And you take out a meaningless road course two race at IndyCar at, at the uh, at, at the Speedway, which I think is a plus as well. Yeah, they, you you pair that with NASCAR, and all signs point to Cup returning to the oval for next year. And I would presume Xfinity would also race on the oval. So, and that would probably kind of be the Milwaukee Mile date potentially. So either way, this seems to be all in all. A really good move. So that's Nashville 2024. What about Nashville 2023 as far as what it looks like for this year? And um, some interesting notes going into the weekend. Uh, IndyCar apologized to Music City GP officials in 2022, plus ticket sales ahead of last year. So those are both positive things um, as far as the, the schedule goes. So um, the the other interesting aspect as far as what Music City GP President Jason Rittenberry had to say, we've had him on the podcast leading up you know, to the inaugural event. He said, my comment to the drivers in IndyCar was that there are three or four other series that drive it with no problems. So is it the course or is it the drivers? <laughs> in the end, they are professional race car drivers and they need to adapt accordingly. And particularly last year, IndyCar drivers did not adapt accordingly. So they can do it the challenge. They're professionals. They get paid like professionals. They can handle it. I I would agree. Um, I I think it just it to me it's the drivers are taking unnecessary chances because the championship is what we have five races to go now, which is kind of hard to believe on the, on the season schedule. But this is a point where drivers are reaching. And they're taking unnecessary risks. Oh, and it happens to be a street circuit that has some very tight and narrow spots in the current layout. So it's just the nature of the beast. But I, I think the drivers have to do a better job. I agree with his comments completely. I, and consider this, too, because people will say, well, you're moving this, this chaotic event to the end of the season and deciding a champion through it. Well, right now in the season, we still have numerous amount of drivers that think they have a chance to win the championship. Now, that's not realistic, but they're not mathematically eliminated yet. So they're going to drive like they still have a chance to win the championship. When we get to the, to, to the season finale, there's only two or three drivers that have a chance to win a title going into that race. And that can then lead to more drivers driving uh, smarter, I feel. And maybe that lessens some of the, uh, the shenanigans, the chaos that we've seen with a season finale race, knowing with most of these drivers, hey, I don't have a chance to win the championship, so I'm not going to push anything. And maybe that can lessen uh, the chaos that we've seen. But 
it's in it's in the hands of the drivers, and I think they need to talk amongst themselves heading into this weekend about how they're going to drive because it's on them, not the course, to really dictate how this race goes and how many cars get smashed in this one. One note I forgot to point out as far as moving this race from early August to mid-September, in IndyCar weatherman pointing out on Twitter, average high temp for Nashville in mid-September is low to mid-80s, about 10 degrees cooler than the ambient temps forecast for this weekend's race. And this weekend, there's like a chance of, of storms, I think, every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and highs in the low 90s. Uh, so that's another positive for the drivers and for the fans. Yeah, the uh, the heat, the, the the Midwest heat, the Southern heat that we have this time of year, uh, it can it can really really tear you up. I and mean, you went to the, I mean, do you remember it being really hot when you guys <laughs> went to this race the last couple of years? Uh, it was it was especially brutal the first year. Now last year, remember it rained on race morning, so that right. kind of changed it a little bit. Now, of course, it's still very humid, but made it a little bit more bearable up until late in the race. Yeah, the, the, the better off we can be weather-wise in the sense of temps, the better. And this will definitely be a step in the right direction for Nashville in that respect. Back with the focus on 2023, our three key stats, courtesy of Chad200 on Twitter that he provides each and every race weekend. Um, so only two Nashville races, as he points out, which that kind of kind of changes the, the direction. But Will Power and Pato Award have nine combined podiums this season, zero wins. Scott Dixon's last pull outside of Indy uh, was at Watkins Glen in 2016. Since then, he's made the Firestone Fast Six 40 times without earning pull position, which is wild. Wow. Alex Pillow, average finishing position of 3.5 with five races remaining. Tony Kanaan, of course, holds the IRL record 3.0 in 2004. Rick Mears set the cart record 2.3 in 1981. Now, there are only 10 races, though, that season. Still insane. Pretty, pretty darn impressive. So changes for you to be aware about for this weekend. First off, finally, it's finally happening. Linus Lundquist will be driving an IndyCar. Uh, he is set to fill in for Simon Pagino this weekend, driving the number 60 car for Meyer Shank Racing. So congrats to him on his debut. First off, second off, I continue to send best wishes to Simon Pagino for his recovery. Um, saying he's focusing on recovering to 100%. It is just taking some time. So I, I really hope we see Simon before the season ends, but obviously the, the more races he misses, the more I become concerned about uh, the, what he's going through. When you look at Simon Pagino, do you th think him being out um, increases his chances of coming back to Shank or decreases his chances of coming back to Shank? It's a good question. You know, on the surface, you'd say, decreases just because the results haven't been positive this season prior to. I uh, didn't have any top 10s, the best finish of 13th at Detroit. But if they are going to bring in Tom Blonquist, as we all expect, that's a rookie driver. Either way, you're going to want a veteran in that other seat uh, to, to help your team out. So um, is it a cop-out to just say ways, neutral? Right, depending on what argument yeah, you're, yeah, like you're I, trying to I, make. I, Let's I, say Linus Lundquist goes out there this weekend and, and has a top 10. And, and if he gets another start this year, also impresses. Then you look at Tom Blomquist and Linus Lundquist as potentials for next year. And that would mean that, that Pagina would be out. So 
I don't know if you can say a lot of Pagano's future relies upon how Linus Lundquist races, but I think you can make a case for that. Yeah, I just, I think you look at the team in 2024, we don't expect Elio to be back full-time. Simon, uh, a lot of this d- depends on his recovery here. I, I'm more and more concerned each and every week. And, and again, we don't know the details. This is pure speculation. But th- this worries me that it's a Dario Franchitti situation as far as a concussion right. and, and you know won't return to the grid, period, which would be a real shame for that to, to be what happens in a, in a practice crash where his brakes failed and, and that was it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, some, some reminders of Houston with, uh, with the crash that effectively ended Dario's career. And basically the doctor's telling him, you can't afford any more concussions. And uh, we saw that impact with the fencing effectively be the catalyst that saw Dario have to hang it up. So that's a, a look at, you know, driver changes, things to be aware about. Um, meanwhile, the schedule, as far as what happens with the weekend schedule, Friday, Saturday, Sunday events, obviously. And as far as what these sessions look like on Friday for IndyCar, 4 to 5.15, again, all times Eastern here. Usual outlets, Peacock, IndyCar Live, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio. Then on Saturday, practice 2, 11.40 a.m. to 12.40 p.m., then qualifying at 2.45 to 4.15 Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday, the TV window from noon to 3 Eastern. So this is an earlier start time. It'll be on NBC uh, in Peacock. But 80 laps for this event. And as far as the, the green flag time, expected not to be not too long after the, the start of the, the TV window. So noon to three Eastern. So that, that'll be an earlier start, which means outside of the last, what, hour or so, spectators will, will beat most of the bulk of the mid to late day heat. I think that's crucial too. But uh, with, with potential uh, weather impacting Sunday, let's hope they're able to get this race in uh, on time and we put on a good event. In Nashville, because I know it's supposed to. We're here in Indiana. It's supposed to supposed to have some big storms on Sunday. Last I saw, so hopefully, it's not going to be as impactful down in Nashville on Sunday. Eleven thirty Central, twelve thirty Eastern is the listed green flag time on the Music City GP site. So that's a look at Nashville. Uh, do you have a winner prediction? Uh, man, I keep going back to the guys that haven't won yet. Right. And trying to make a case for them. Uh, I can't. I'm going Joseph Newgarden to win this race. <laughs> Joseph Newgarden <laughs> winning his essentially hometown race in Nashville. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with a team that has been really good on street circuits all season long. We've seen him have good runs. He won the pole here. It looked like he was going to have a chance to, to win a race uh, before crashing out late in the first event. I'm going to go with Colton Herta to finally put it through, get his first win in the season. I just think Andretti's street course package is so strong. I think he's bound to break through eventually here. And that's who I was considering when I was talking about picking a driver that hasn't won yet this season. It just got to be consistent, right? We, we've seen him have the speed here. Just got to be consistent. So that's a preview of Nashville. Meanwhile, some silly season news. To get to, I uh, got this from IndyCar Deep Throat the other day, but 
Alex Pillow as far as when the uh, potential new deal will be announced for him. All signs point to Labor Day weekend at Portland, either September 2nd or September 3rd, expected for him to be announced to Aaron McLaren uh, for 2023. Now, as far as his F1 possibilities, they're still out there. It it still feels like a long shot, though. Some interesting things that, that came in recently. Um, this from speedweek.com. Alex Blow and Pato Award will compete in free practice sessions for McLaren later this year. Uh, Zach Brown, the McLaren CEO, confirmed, says, I'm absolutely convinced they both have F1 potential. Now, as far as team landing spots, there was an interesting rumor came out late last week with Polo and, and what it could mean for him in F1 and any possibility of that becoming a thing. Um, Polo's only realistic prospects are either Alpha Tauri or whatever they're rebranded to. I saw that Hugo Boss, a, long, a longtime Team Penske sponsor, uh, could be the primary sponsor for whatever that team becomes. Or Williams. So Williams is not a team that I've really seen him linked to, but that's a possibility with conversations taking place at some level. That from We Are The Race uh, with that information. Either way, though, F1, is he deserving? Yes. Will it happen? Hard to say just because of the contract and and him not being able to talk to other teams and just McLaren knows what they're doing, right? They set it up so it'd be hard for him to go to another F1 team. Yeah, I would never say never until he signs on that dotted line, and even then, I mean, the fact that it's McLaren probably means he's not getting bought out. That contract's not getting bought out by a Formula One team. But at the same time, who 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 knows what could happen in the world of Formula One? But I'm, I'm becoming more and more uh, convinced that he will be in that McLaren seat next year. I was so convinced for so long that any other you know possibilities, F1 or St. Ganassi. Uh, crept back into the conversation, even though we've been told since I don't even know when the, the Indy 500 that he was going to McLaren or really, really though, actually correct myself. You go back to last summer, last July, right. he's been going to McLaren with everything that played out with the, the infamous tweets in the contract dispute. So Marshall Pruitt had a silly season update on racer.com. Obviously everything starts with Alex below as far as before the other seats, you know, go and there's a, a lot of people moving around. But Marcus Erickson, um, after Palo, which September 1st, the negotiating window opens. But August 1st was the negotiating window for Marcus Erickson, uh, the other top guy, of course, both with Ganassi currently. Uh, but Erickson has several options. Now, will we get an answer for Erickson before Palo? I don't know because I think they'll kind of try to hold out and see what happens. But, uh, is there a possibility Erickson could come back? Stay tuned. But as far as what the lineups look like, Pruitt went team by team. Benjamin Peterson at Foyt on a multi-year deal. Uh, Ferrucci, obviously the team would want him to come back, especially after his run in the Indy 500 to third. Just comes on securing a budget. But I would say if he gets in the leader circle, which he is currently on track to do, I would expect him to be back. Yeah, great article by... Marshall Pruitt to really break down team by team the silly season and a great read and a lot of interesting tidbits, but it sounds like uh, that's one factor that uh, is not going to impact the, the silly season. Sounds like he'll be back. Meanwhile, at Andretti, we know Colton Hurd and Kyle Kirkwood are back. Interesting notes so that Kirkwood is uh, mentioned as a perfect fit for Team Penske when Will Power retires. 
So Kirkwood hits the market next summer. Uh, so that's interesting. The race winner at Long Beach. Now we also know that Devlin Francesco won't be back. And then we know that Roman Grosjean is kind of on thin ice. I mean, you, you got to stop crashing and get results eventually here down the stretch to save his seat. But uh, Ericsson is a possibility. Of course, Felix Rosenquist, unsigned. He's been mentioned as far as interest. Callum Eilat, David Malukas on Andretti's radar apparently as well. So there are a lot of options here. Also, uh, Formula 2 champion Felipe Drugovic, another the uh, Brazilian, he's been mentioned for Andretti and Formula E, which Jake Dennis just wrapped up the Formula E championship for Andretti uh, last weekend. So, and Jake Dennis would not be an option. Um, but do you extend Grosjean? Do you go after Ericsson? I mean, to me, I'm going after Ericsson. Um, and then, you know, a David Malukas, a guy who has talent but also brings a significant budget. You know, could be maybe the the piece for that other car. That's my prediction. I don't know. What what do you think for those two seats? <laughs> uh man, I I I I think if Erickson's there, he goes there. That's that's the likely landing spot. But I I I think Ganassi finds a way to re-sign Marcus Erickson. I really do. So for that seat, uh, I still have a soft spot for for Roman Grosjean in the sense that he's has been IndyCar's most popular driver. Uh, over the last couple seasons and for your most popular driver to not have a seat would be an issue, but he hasn't made any friends in Andretti. I still am partial to Grosjean doing enough to keep his seat for next year, but he needs to start putting up results as soon as this weekend. Yeah. It it feels like these final five races are make or break for his IndyCar career. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm stretching it, but that's how it feels. Yeah, because I don't know. People say, well, you know, he could go to uh, another team. Where's he going to go? No. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could say, oh, he, does he go to coin or something? I just don't think that Romain Grosjean is interested in running for a, a, a midfield team in IndyCar. And you could say, well, that's probably where he belongs based on how he's been driving. That's fair but I just don't think there's any desire, nor does he need to. He's a millionaire. He made plenty of money in Formula One. Yeah, I think that's another factor. He's not going to take a a midfield seat if he doesn't believe he has the capability to win a race. Meanwhile, Aaron McLaren, obviously everything hinging on Pelot, but we expect him to be there. Obviously, Pato Ward back, Alexander Rossi back. And then as far as a fourth car, that decision, as far as a fourth entry, is expected to be imminent. Um... Pruitt throws out the possibility of it's got to be a Chevy team and would dry and Reinbold racing kind of be a, a farmed out team. Look, we used to see this back in the cart era. This is more common as far as a team loaning a driver out. I mean, we even saw this with Andretti last year, loaning out Kyle Kirkwood. So could this be a possibility as long as the engine manufacturer is the same? Um, but as far as a fourth car and what that means for Felix Rosenquist, we shall see, but uh, my guess is they have three drivers next year, and it's Plo, Rossi, and Pato. Yeah, I think McLaren needs to figure out how to win races with three drivers before they expand to four. I would agree. Yeah, that's that's pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> Chip Ganassi Racing, we know Scott Dixon's back. After that, who knows? Um, could Erickson even come back? Is that a possibility? We, we obviously don't expect Pelot to be back there. 
Um, but Erickson has options, and you would think that Chip gives him a, a big offer. Now, we know that Marcus Armstrong wants to go full-time with that team. Going to have to find a little bit more budget. As far as Kiffin Simpson, who was rumored earlier in Silly Season articles, uh, he is expected to head to IndyCar with Ganassi when he's ready. Uh, another year of, of Indy Lights seems on the board, but as far as drivers, I mean, Erickson could return if they, they offer him a deal, assuming Pelo walks. So I, I, I wouldn't count that out. Um, as far well, as I mean, the Marshall other driver... Pruitt said in his article that the rumors are that Ganassi has yeah. offered Erickson a deal recently, and is it good enough to keep him there, or is it more lucrative to go elsewhere? I, I think... I, I, I think as long as, as Ganassi is wanting to play the game for Marcus Erickson and actually offer him to be paid to race in the series as opposed to paying, then he's still a Ganassi next year. I would agree. I I think if he has a fair offer, I think he stays. Now, as far as I, they should do all they can to keep Marcus Armstrong, he's been excellent as a rookie. Beyond that, probably someone who's in F2 or F3 that we've not really followed. That's what I expect because that's what Ganassi usually does they love to do but if you're if you're Marcus Erickson if you get in any anywhere close to a competitive offer that is that you're well compensated from Ganassi you, you stay there because you can win races and championships at Ganassi and if that's the goal and they're compensating you fairly you stay only two teams have won multiple races this year Penske and Ganassi yeah it's a, it's a no-brainer huh. to stay if you feel like the offer is fair enough or has enough incentives to get to where you want it to be. Dale Coyne Racing, 100% changeover with his drivers, according to Pruitt. This is no surprise. Francesco has been routinely mentioned as a candidate for one of the cars. I think we've said that before on this podcast. It makes sense. Uh, Daniel Frost, uh, who's with HMD Motorsports and, and Indy Lights, uh, is a contender for the number 51 car. He was a, a contender this year, uh, impressed when he tested with Coyne last year, part of Andretti's Indy Lights program, a front runner to join the series next year with Coin. So that makes sense. Stingray Rob, an option if he can raise the budget. Then Ed Carpenter Race. And this is an interesting one because VK sells another year on his deal. And then there's the 20 car. You know, is Ryan Hunter Ray really going to want to stay full time if he can't really get any results down the stretch? I don't know. That is a team, though, it seems like could Josh Pearson, who's kind of their development guy uh, with HMD. And lights, could he be the guy or could he step up in 2025? That's what Marshall has to say. Either way, though, I, I think we'll have a different driver than Ryan Hunter Ray full time uh, with Ed Carpenter in the other car. I can say with confidence that when you look at Indy Next this year, or oh my gosh, I called it Indy Next. Yeah. I How that. dare you? Um, <laughs> I know. There's nobody in there that excites me. Like, truly. I can't wait for this guy to be an IndyCar, or he definitely deserves a opportunity in 2024 to be an IndyCar. I, and I've watched a fair amount of the races this year, and I'm not saying there's not talent there. I'm just saying there's not that I've seen ready talent to move up to IndyCar and and really impact a team and help a team. I, I, I just don't see it. And unfortunately, from, from my perspective, the guys that are being considered probably bring some money, especially Dale Coyne. 
Yeah, and Daniel Frost is Stingray Rob seven. being that guy this year. Uh, and I understand, you know, they need money and, and ride buyers, but it doesn't help your competitiveness in this series when you're just doing that and bringing guys in that otherwise wouldn't be in the series. I mean, you, you look at the top guys, Christian Rasmussen, Nolan Siegel, Jacob Abel, Hunter McElroy. Now, Abel could obviously get a ride with Abel Motorsports, but it'd probably be a one-off at Indy or just a handful of races. Uh, McElroy's been in, in lights a couple years. He's got to win some races down the stretch, I think, to kind of be in contention. But, I mean, Daniel Frost, seventh. Kiffin Simpson has been mentioned, ninth. Uh, the people I'm excited about are the people who I expect to be more contenders in that series in 2024. And that's Ernie Francis Jr., who'd have another season under his belt. He's 10th in the standing, so he's making some gains. Uh, Jamie Chadwick, who's had back-to-back top 10s now in mid-Ohio and in Iowa. Um, she's making some gains. And then obviously miles Rowe, who you would expect to move up. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough move, right? With, with Francis and Rowe. Rose had so much success in the ladder and you'd think he'd be due to move up and, and see if Penske, uh, keeps supporting, <coughs> excuse me, keeps supporting him. So those are the people I'm excited. I'm excited about 2024 for that series compared to this year. Cause we just, we haven't seen any clear separation yet. No, and I think Nolan Siegel has shown some impressiveness, but the kid's only 18 years old. I mean, it's obvious he still needs at least another year of seasoning in Indy Lights. So I think that's a guy to watch going into next season, particularly if he can win the championship this year, uh, which which then makes it a, an interesting uh, scenario for next year because he has that scholarship money and the opportunity, but I just don't think he's ready for full-time competition. So that's the thing. You know, last year... You could say, well, Linus Lundquist deserved a seat, and he didn't get it in IndyCar. Now you're looking at it and go, whoever the championship is, champion is in this series this year, do they really deserve? Are they really ready for IndyCar? And I think there's, that's a debate to be had. Whoever wins this championship, on whether they're ready or not. Meanwhile, other remaining teams uh, for silly season in 2024. Next, we go to Hunkos. Obviously, Augustine Canapino will be back as long as they can get the budget figured out, I think signing a primary sponsor for both entries probably goes a long way. And then Callum Eilat, it's unclear whether he's free to sign with other teams or if he's tied to Hunkos for another season. Uh, that's unclear, but if he's back with that team, he'll be a big target uh, for 2025 for teams. Uh, Meyer Shank, we talked about them before, but we expect Tom Baumquist to be one of the drivers full-time. And then... As far as after that, I mean, we, we debated about Pagano, so we don't really have to go into that anymore as far as, you know, his future. Linus Lundquist will debut with the team. Nick DeVries tested for the team. Felipe Drugovich's name has been mentioned as well. Felix Rosenquist, uh, Marshall Pruitt mentioned. So um, all options. I We've been told a current Ganassi driver and Tom Blomquist. So to me, that would be Takuma Sato and Blomquist. A veteran, and then someone, you know, veteran with any 500, you know, winning pedigree, a lot of experience, still can excel. And then a rookie who's fast and you expect to have a lot of talent and, and find his own. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of when you look at, at Shank and, and what they should do in terms of uh, is it a veteran and a, and a rookie or an experienced person and not two rookies that you're just throwing out there. Meanwhile, Ray Hall Letterman, Lanigan Racing, 
Graham Rahal, we expect him to be back. Uh, there was kind of some talk, but I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, I think with the the boost in the team here the last couple months, I, I think that kind of put that to bed. Obviously, Christian Lungard's back. And then that third seat, I mean, they're, they have a lot of good options here. We don't expect Jack Harvey to be back. Marcus Erickson, Callum Eilat, David Malukas, Felix Rosenquist, all linked according to Pruitt. So, I mean, all those are great options for them. They have a, a multitude of options, and I, I would keep. I think I really feel like Ray Letterman landing is the wild card in terms of landing a driver that maybe we don't expect, particularly if they can keep their upswing going and their investment in wanting to be a player again in the series consistently. So I think that's a seat to watch, in my opinion. And, you know, could. Could Marcus Erickson or Felix Rosenquist? I mean, either of those are great options for them because I also don't think they treat their team as far as having a, a one, two, three, as far as like a, a hierarchy of, of cars and drivers. I agree. I sometimes think they should, but I, I would agree. I, they would be a dark horse, in my opinion, for Felix Rosenquist. I don't know if they could land a Marcus Erickson, but they're a dark horse for me to land Felix Rosenquist if he leaves, leaves McLaren. That wraps up Silly Season Chatter. If you agree or disagree with our takes, let us know. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. You won't miss any episodes or special announcements. It's free to sign up for. Also, you can check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale for you. Uh, You can find us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support. Starts at just $1 per month. Again, Patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Uh, you can find us on social media, IndyCar Podcast on Twitter or X or whatever we call it these days. Uh, Instagram on Facebook, just search for New Track Record. And you can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, listen for free. Download each episode each and every week on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, CastBox, wherever you find your podcasts, all for free. Mailbag time, Justin, and a few items to get to, not a ton. Uh, already put out there as far as what people think of the new Nashville circuit. So these are early returns as we record on the Thursday night after the announcement. Uh, Mom 2X over 2002 said, it's a square. looks like the Big Dipper, but a square. Uh, yeah, it, it it is interesting. It, well, city streets are squared they're off. They're grids. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not like the, the Chicago circuit uh, was, was, was any better. Or NASCAR. I mean, True. what do you expect? A city street, right? I mean, but it worked for how, them, how and it looks laid out. It was uh, it was kind of hilarious looking at it as far as you know, you putting the lines in the track Mac above, and like that's it. But hey, whatever works works. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, yeah. the main straight is almost two tenths of a mile longer than the previous straight. The Mickey Mouse section has been removed. Talking about the really narrow section uh, across uh, the bridge on the the downtown side. Uh, currently, I think all the streets are wider than the ones before. No one is going to be using the pit lane to cut the track anymore. I think it's an improvement. That's a good point about pit lane. That change. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great point. And people look at the the um, the map and say, oh, it's a square, or whatever. And I even thought about that too with the Chicago Circuit for NASCAR. But these streets, these city streets, are so wide in these big cities that you round off the turns. It's not like it's going to be a lot of 90-degree turns like it kind of looks like on the track map. Yeah, these are, you know, two lanes on either side kind of streets minimum. So yeah, at least, it, it yeah. won't be as much of an issue. Scuba Steve 85, 
Looks like a boring layout, but Detroit surprised me, so I'll wait before judging. Curious if the pit design is to prevent the situation where Herta pitted for tires and almost beat the pace car out of pit lane. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's a factor. Uh, Hunter's Way 67, good luck getting into pit lane after coming down the bridge at full speed. Well, you're going into that hair pit, so I think yeah, it'll you're work. Already slowing down. You're already slowing down. FitJ1983 says on Twitter, probably the best they can do with the geographical constraints without moving to Nashville Super Speedway. I like the pit lane creativity, a new challenge. Uh, another one, uh, Tudor Indy said the Big Dipper remains. So several entries Which as I far as... I am fine with. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. No issues with that. So that's early, and I mean early reaction to the Nashville circuit and what it will look like in 2024. Uh, meanwhile, you posted this poll. IndyCar finale, which do you prefer? Boring and predictable or chaotic and unpredictable? Uh, 95%, in fact, nearly 96% said chaotic and unpredictable. Just over 4.5% said boring and predictable. Um, <laughs> Hickey93 said, what was the expectation for this poll, LOL? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it was 95 to 5% because you hear people and maybe, maybe it's more serious people and drivers saying, oh, we don't want something like that to decide the championship. But a fair amount of, of fans say that too. I, I expected more people to say boring and predictable because that's what Laguna Seca is. Yes. It's boring and predictable. And they would rather have that to decide the championship than the other one. But uh, I'm not surprised that uh, that chaotic and unpredictable won that. I'm just surprised at uh, how dominant that was. Yeah, I don't think we expected the number to be that high. Else, uh, Otherwise, uh, some other tweets. Poet Shevchenko on this. People like St. Peter's the finale in 2020. They like Long Beach is the finale in 2021. Since I became an IndyCar fan in 2013, I have only seen lukewarm opinions about Sonoma and Laguna Seca when they were the finale. Yeah, it 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 was what it was, right? We had, what, Sonoma 2015 with Montoya and Dixon. That was kind of the highlight of that era. Yeah, and lukewarm is a great, great way, a great word to describe the crowds, too, at Sonoma and Laguna Seca. Because, you know, going to Laguna Seca you're going to see multiple times highlights of the past and it'll be, it'll be better than anything even close to what you'll see actually on track. Zanardi and Herta in the corkscrew. I'm sure they'll show the highlight. Oh yeah. Take a drink. Every time you see it, Tyler underscore Allen says, can't there be a middle ground, say a speedway? Uh, you're asking too much there. Yes. Let's let's one step at a time. You need somebody, you need somebody to want to host it. I mean, that's a big thing. Uh, you, you need a, a speedway to want to host a race in the in the with the start of the NFL, and it needs and, to and be in a good market too. too like, right? it, you, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of places that are going to want to say, oh yeah, second week of the NFL or whatever it is, first week of the NFL, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do a race for sure. Like that's a, a, a difficult sell for a lot of people, and the fact that that Nashville is embracing it. And that's kind of maybe a factor going forward is how does this schedule, uh, how is the schedule impacted going forward when the Titans are at home? Because I wouldn't imagine they're having this event when the Titans are at home to have a home game. So that's something to watch. But it's easy to say, oh, they should go here or there. Like you, you need actual venues and promoters to actually want to do it. I believe it would be week two of the NFL season uh, next year. So we'll see. Uh, Big D Cart says, Makes me miss the double point finales. Uh, I'm going to say disagree. Jeremy from HBG, we need a D&D style alignment chart for the tracks. 
Uh, run <laughs> underscore Mark underscore run quadruple points race at Bristol. You know, I'd love to see any car at Bristol, but I don't know if that's feasibly possible without too many G forces. Uh, 500 yeah, Indy 1911 uh, says C chaotic and predictable D boring and unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> Some other uh, alternative options uh for you there so that's a a look at some of the tweets continuing on with what people had to say in the mailbag this week so we got through the the schedule thoughts and whatnot um i think we have a couple more let's see our cole um we'll get to that in tweets of the week so that's some good stuff there uh this from mom2x over 2002 if indycar marketing team was really smart they would buy billboards etc and market the crap out of the money savings of a race uh, versus an F1 race in the Vegas area and family-friendly and driver accessibility, et cetera, who can afford $500 for three days in Vegas nowadays? Uh, I'm guessing that's the GA cost. I don't even want to imagine what a reserved seat will cost. Yeah, and the thing is, plenty of people are going to pay that, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, out in Vegas. Um, and, and IndyCar buying billboards in Vegas, I mean, billboards are very expensive. I don't know if that's the yeah. best way to market. I think targeted social media ads would be a much more affordable option. Effective? I don't know. But people who go to F1 want to go to F1 to see and be seen, right? So you're yeah. not going to change their minds. Uh, well, this... and that's the thing with Formula One is uh, us commoners were not the ones that are going to the Vegas race, okay? that That's just how it is. This from Jay Blasteri. Serious upgrade to the schedule. Talking about this from last week. Uh, road course, Indy Road Course 2 out Milwaukee in gateway to a doubleheader format. Um, Poet Shevchenko, and that's the 2024 Indy 500 sold out. The news of Kyle Larson. Uh, his car reveal coming up August 13th. And I think we have one more note uh, also from Poet Shevchenko. I think this makes a 100 days to Indy Season 2 more likely to return to the CW if this is the direction the network is going. That is in regards to the CW picking up the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Seven-year deal starts in 2025 through 2031. $115 million per year for the rights. And what's wild is, my understanding, this includes practice qualifying and the races. So this is, I mean, all out. As far as the TV deal, good for... The CW, oh, I know a lot of NASCAR. and huge, huge for NASCAR because we thought this was going to Peacock streaming only with a handful of events on NBC or USA. Yeah, and instead they're put on CW and for with each successive thing that the CW lands and it was what ACC football and basketball recently yes. and now it's uh, Xfinity is there's less and less Snickers I feel from people with every successive deal that the CW gets. They want to be Fox. They want to be a, a what people thought was, well, when they first joined, but really the fourth, the fourth cable network that was never going to rival the other three. And now look at Fox. And CW wants to be that. And they're investing to try to take steps towards that goal. And I, I don't think they're done. I, I, over the next year or two, they're going to invest even more in those things. So uh, it, it's an aggressive move by the CW, but it's it's a huge deal for NASCAR. That's phenomenal for their Xfinity series. And as Nathan Rada, the Indy Star, points out as far as the comparison, $150 million a year for Xfinity, 
IndyCar uh, gets the 30 to $40 million range. But again, IndyCar's deal up for negotiation again, I believe, after n- next year. So keep, keep that in mind. I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I, I don't think this would happen. Could see the CW be a player for IndyCar? Right. I mean, why if not? One hundred fifteen million dollars at Xfinity, and they already have a hundred days to Indy. Would they at least be interested in making a bid? If they want to overpay for IndyCar in twenty twenty five and beyond, uh, I, I can imagine that uh, Roger Penske and Mark Miles will gladly accept that eighty million dollar check or something for IndyCar to be on the CW. I I would agree. Now, are they going to get um, the Xfinity money? No. Could they get half that, though? Maybe. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like a legitimate possibility. Uh, I think the challenge for the CW is they're going to have to kind of grow an audience organically here, and I think having some college football games will help. I'll be very curious to see how those ratings you know, turn out for college football and basketball games this fall and, and kind of in, in winter and what becomes of that. But that's definitely something to watch moving forward. That wraps up the mailbag time for news and notes and a few items to get to on the agenda. Honda and Chevy preparing for a 27 car field uh, to carry over into 2024. As far as uh, a 28 car field that determines or that's determined if Aaron McLaren does a, a fourth full-time entry. But as we mentioned earlier, that decision uh, will be fairly imminent. Uh, this all from Marshall Perutive racer.com, but they're, they're close to making a decision. It's possible. Um, this is crazy, though. Chevy's never really gone above 12 full-time entries, which I find hard to believe because Honda's already at 15. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, GM has been pretty calculated. They're not expanding just to expand, but they may have to because I, I, don't, I don't see any less than 27 right now that's going to be in the series next year. No. Uh, big news. Portland finally has a title sponsor. Hey! BitNile.com Grand Prix of Portland for this year. So congrats. Uh, single day tickets on sale now. Uh, I believe PortlandGP.com is the, or sorry, RacePortland.com is the website for single day tickets. So congrats to Green Savvy Promotions and everyone at Portland International Raceway that puts on this event. Um, <laughs> you've been railing on this for years. And, and this is a huge <laughs> boost to this event to have a title sponsor. I hope that it ha- it gives Portland and the promoters an influx of capital they need to market this race more because it could be a big deal in the Pacific Northwest, and that's kind of what we expected when this happened. How long did we hear, oh, they need a, a, a race in the Pacific Northwest, and it's an untapped market, and IndyCar needs to get there first, and blah, blah, blah. And Portland has been a decent event, but I, I do think, at least in my opinion, hasn't lived up to the expectation when we when when IndyCar first announced that they were going there, hopefully with this a title sponsor for the first time, that it will give them the budget to market this to try to reach a, the next level for that event. Meanwhile, Hyvee IndyCar Race Weekend drew approximately eighty five thousand fans uh, over the course of three days. All time high for the IndyCar event at Iowa Speedway. That from the Newton Daily News. Uh, so good news there. Some interesting TV numbers to get to. So F1 on ESPN and also on ABC through 12 races, averaging 1.24 million viewers per race. 
That from Marshall Pruitt. Meanwhile, also from Pruitt, NBC data through 11 races, IndyCar averaging total audience delivery of 1.512 million viewers, most watched season since 2016. That's back when rights were, of course, split between NBCSN, which is now defunct, and ABC. Up is up. That's what we up say. Is up. up is up. Keep the momentum going. Hopefully IndyCar can finish. Even if it's 1% up, I would prefer more, but up is up. Uh, this is cool. At Gateway, Grim Rahal will have uh, Hogan Transport back on the car, which is a longtime Rahal sponsor. I think of Dario Franchitti, Franchitti uh, driving the, the Hogan racing car early on in his career in kart. So that's a, a blast from the past. Cool to see them back on board in IndyCar. Um, yeah, very cool. Roman Grosjean has a stash now for Nashville. Maybe that'll be the Ooh, good luck charm. Really? Yeah. Uh, Nathan Brown saying as far as the last time IndyCar disqualified two cars in the same race, speaking of Nashville, the 2021 Nashville race, uh, Jimmy Johnson's number 48 car was, had unapproved work under a red flag. And then the number 52 car of Co- Cody Ware failure to participate at a competitive speed. So it really was more recent than you would have guessed. Yeah. Likewise. I, I, I completely forgot. Uh, Connor Daly will race with Team Alpha Prime for the Xfinity race next weekend at the Brickyard and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. So best of luck to him with that ride. Uh, Victor Franzoni returns to Hunkos in the series formerly known as Indy Lights. Uh, he will wrap up the end of the season uh, for the team. So the return of Franzoni uh, had some success. I think you got to go back to 2018, the last time he raced, and that would have been with Pato Award and Colton Herta battling for the championship in lights. Long time coming. Good to see him back in Indy Lights. And one other note to get to before tweets of the week. And this is cool. So I've noticed this as far as the, the audio, and it's not perfect. But IndyCar is announced a partnership with Iris Audio Tech as far as in removing background noise to deliver clear audio from the drivers and teams. So that is, so is that for like with interviews or over the channels or what? Uh, this would eliminate just, background noise in real time from the broadcasts. So okay. I believe this is for the radio transmission that they air on the broadcast. Gotcha. Because Formula One, it is very clear mm-hmm. when, you, when you and you hear them. And I don't know if that's, that's part of the distortion and getting rid of that or not, but uh, that, that will help for sure. This is a leading AI voice isolation specialist. So, uh Oh, AI take, <laughs> take over. it over, take it over. Uh, but obviously <laughs> very, very good news. Nonetheless, time for tweets of the week, two of them to get to first off from Alexander Rossi at the FIA P P P P P P P P P P. I don't know if you saw this, but his phone just like went nuts. Uh, yes. He later said that, yeah, he was like at a workout, I think at Pit Fit, and his phone just kind of went off. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's man. really mad at the FIA. Can't blame him. Uh, R. Cole yeah. sent us this. With 50 cents spent tonight, my driven collection is complete. VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, GameCube, and Game Boy. Gear shattering, ground pounding action, in quotes. So the collection is finished. Uh, he, he went on to say that he would uh, give us the collection, you know, in, in his will. Uh, also, he was 
in the film in an uncredited role. So the, there you his go. Breakout performance, his breakout role. Yes. Been driven. So congrats to our <laughs> listener, uh, Rob Cole, on that. All right, time for our random split era driver of the week. If I had one. Oh. We're on a week hiatus this week because uh, I was on the golf course all day and then I admittedly took a two and a half hour nap when I got home. I figured you took a nap. Do you want me to choose one? Are we supposed to do cart or IRL this week? Uh, I want to say it's cart. It's IRL, which is, is becoming increasingly difficult for okay. IRL. Okay, we're going to go to uh, the 2004 Indy Racing League. This is tough because we know so many of these names, right? I know. So many of these names, but I'm looking at the list and there is one that you probably know, but you might not remember. Mark Taylor. Okay. Okay. Uh, he drove for Panther Racing. Um, now, he is best known for being the 2003 Infinity Pro Series champion, uh, but he raced with Panther Racing, did six races in 2004 with Panther and then he finished the season with Access Motorsports, did the uh, rounds 8 through 16, did not participate at Kansas. I mean, he finished 17th overall in the points, a best finish of 7th. He did that at Nashville on the Super Speedway, and then also did that at Texas 2. Back when they ran two Texas races, that was the season finale. He finished 7th. Also in Fontana, he finished 10th in the penultimate round. That's my, my word of the week, apparently. Um, but <laughs> best finish with Panther, uh, was a 12th place finish at Phoenix. He was 30th in the 88th Indianapolis 500 in 2004. That, of course, won by Buddy Rice. But uh, Taylor had a crash in turn three and was out after 62 laps. But he is this week's random split error driver of the week. Um, he raced in Formula Ford in Britain, won the 97 Winter Championship, eighth in the main championship in 99. Uh, fourth in the European Formula Ford Championship that year as well, won the 2000 European Championship, runner-up in the British Championship, then moved to Formula 3, finished ninth in 2001, had a win, finished seventh in points in 2002, then moved to the Infinity Pro Series in 2003, won seven of 12 races uh, for Panthers wow. team in Infinity Pro Series, then drove uh, the number two Team Menard car for Panther. Uh, in 2004, um, good qualifying speed, struggled to adapt. This was a guy who came in with a lot of fanfare coming in early on back as far as prospects go coming through the then Infinity Pro Series, but he was dropped in favor of Townsend Bell. Then Greg Ray's Access Motorsports drafted him to drive the 13 car. Unable to repeat his good qualifying performances, did finish seven of nine races again, as I mentioned, a best finish of seventh place. And that was it as far as his racing career. And a rarity in our random split air driver of the week, because established guy in the junior formula and, and, and a standout driver winning seven races in 2003 in the pro series. So a guy that, like you said, came into the series with a lot of hype, a lot of fanfare and just didn't deliver with Panther. What's crazy is I look through the list of drivers in the 2004 series. I recognize every single name on here. I know. Mark Taylor is the one that I remember him, but like is the one that the average person probably would forget. Yeah. But we, we're going to have to go more and more to cart as we continue. Yes. This feature, which is, which is everybody's favorite part of the podcast. 
Oh, I, I would assume so. So that wraps it up for this week. We'll be back next week to recap the Music City Grand Prix for Justin Kidding. I am Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcast by Federated Media.